Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. on the best 60 minutes of your day. Listed as questionable, but what message is sent if KD doesn't play against Russ and the Thunder tomorrow? Sixers sensation Joel Embiid joins the show and explains why trash talking is such an important part of his game. Also, how Baker Mayfield's behavior will impact his Heisman Trophy chances. And just two minutes into his projected one-and-done season, Michael Porter Jr.'s season is over. How a back injury will affect his draft status. Sports Center at 6. Oh, man, I, I, I won't say that he was a flop, man. Tell Donald Trump to have a great Thanksgiving, because Big Baller is... Wow, the meme of the day. Uh, today's menu, Michael Porter Jr., one of the most promising prospects in college basketball, done for the year. We'll discuss what that means for his NBA future and for Missouri. But first, you might want to pump the brakes on a showdown between KD and his former team. Kevin Durant classified as questionable for tomorrow night's game at Oklahoma City. Sprained his left ankle Saturday against the Sixers. Missed Sunday's win over the Nets. Participated fully in a light practice today and said he felt good, but would see how it feels tomorrow. As for going back to OKC, he says after last year, it feels like a regular game now. Uh, I think I, I think I just I came down uh, pretty awkward one time. I think it was in the first quarter. I tried to go for a dunk and I, I kind of came up a little short and uh, I came down hard. So uh, I didn't twist it or anything. Just a just a hard hard uh, hard landing. Now this is a regular game for me now. Uh, I learned how to tune out the crowd. I learned how to tune out the beach, the bull- and uh, just play. And uh, just keep it at basketball, then I'll be all right. Katie dropped 34 in his only appearance at Chesapeake Arena last season. Royce Young here now to drop knowledge about Durant's first time back in that building as a finals MVP. Uh, Royce, you have the Thunder getting off to a bit of a sluggish start to the season. What's the mindset of the team, and for that matter, of the fan base with Katie? probably or questionable whether he comes to town and plays, but it doubt it's a regular game for that fan base in that organization. Yeah, still definitely not a regular game, Michael. It, it clearly is going to bring in the emotions, but it won't be anything at all like it was a season ago um, when Kevin Durant returned with the cupcake chants and the booing and the signs and people dressed up in cupcake costumes. That kind of visceral animosity, a lot of it has dissipated, um, I think, from the fan base. But certainly the organization really never carried any of that. The Westbrook-Durant relationship has always been uncomfortable and awkward, but the, the Thunder organization themselves have, has consistently tried to take the high road about it, only said nice things about Kevin Durant publicly, um, but when Durant, assuming that he is able to play in the game Wednesday night, when he walks in, hears his name called, there's going to be some of that same stuff because there was always an emotional connection to that guy, but it's not going to be anything the same. And I think a lot of that, Michael, has to do with the fact of the way the Thunder organization that's, uh, themselves moved on with Westbrook signing the extension, the trade for Paul George, the trade for Carmelo. Hello, Anthony. There's no looking back from the Thunder right now, and I think the fan base has picked up on some of that as well. Yeah, even giving his number 35 away. Roy Young, we appreciate it. Thank you, man.
All right, on to a big story in college hoops. Uh, Hailed as one of the most promising prospects in college basketball, Missouri announced today that Michael Porter Jr. will likely miss the rest of the season due to back surgery. Porter played two minutes this season in Missouri's opener, then went on to miss rather the next three games. Now, Missouri fans, they have got to be sick because there was so much anticipation and excitement about Porter, who was ranked second in ESPN's top 100, trailing only Marvin Bagley III, Jay Will. What's good? <laughs> How you Hello. Doing? Good. Um, here to drop some knowledge uh, on this story. Now, look, he was considered a possible number one pick in next mm-hmm. year's draft. So now with this back surgery, which can mean all sorts of things, is it too risky now to take Michael Porter Jr. at number one? Uh, as long as his back checks out, no. I mean, I think the kid's guaranteed a top five pick. He's that skilled, right? His NBA comp would be like a young Joe Johnson or, or a KD. I'm not saying he's going to be KD, but a KD-like player. My thing, though, is this is one of the same points that proves if you have a chance to be this one-and-done player and be dropped, drafted in the top five, top ten, why play in college? Mm-hmm. Why even jeopardize yourself to play in college? We have a kid that already started doing this, Mitchell Robinson, who had declared for one school and decided that he didn't want to play and that he was going to use the entire year just to train. I mean, with accessibility to social media, we can always tap into what your training is like. That might actually create more stir and might do better things for your draft status than actually playing in college. Because what do we do on a collegiate level? We break down your game over and over and over. So Michael Porter Jr., of course, he can still be number one pick as long as it checks out. You mentioned Joe Johnson and, and Kevin Durant in terms of NBA comparisons. For those that haven't gotten to see him play and mm-hmm. now won't see him play at the college level, what is it particularly that makes his game so special? He's just crazy skilled. I mean, he's doing all the same things KD is doing on the court. He can post people up. He has fadeaways. He can be a point forward. He has great vision. His range isn't great, but he's a consistent shooter, and he's mastered the mid-range game. The way he plays when you watch him play in high school, it's like a, a post player who's constantly isoed. I mean, that, that's, he has an NBA-like game, an NBA feel. And just when you meet the kid, he has an NBA aura about him. Everything he does is first class. Yeah. You know what's got an aura? That suit, man. Hey, hey. <laughs> I'm trying to bring back the thing is bang, man. Thanks, bang. Yeah, what a big blow for college basketball. Markel Fultz yeah. last year and then him. It's like, sort of like we're not getting what we used to get in college basketball when you got a chance to see and showcase that number one pick, you know? We still got some stuff. Yeah, some still a lot of talent. Like, no, no need to disrespect it. But thanks, Jay Will. Thank you. We will find out who is in the top four coming up at the top of the hour on ESPN. Marcus Spears, who's your top six? Oh, we, Mike, it hadn't changed much, man. I have Alabama. I have Oklahoma at two. Clemson three. I mean, Miami three and Clemson four. I I think I'm struggling with the Clemson loss to Syracuse. I still am. I know a lot of the country has gotten over it. Obviously, the playoff committee has gotten over it. But that loss is, is alarming to me. And then with some of the performances that Clemson has had, up until that point. It's just troubling to think that they're high up. I do think they're one of the four best teams in the country, but I will have Oklahoma edging them out right now. Uh, That's interesting that you still have Wisconsin on the outside looking in. What do the Badgers have to do? (laughs) Or are you one of those people that want to maybe find a way to put either two SEC teams or two ACC teams into these playoffs? For me, Jamil, it's not necessarily about a conference getting two teams in. I think Wisconsin has to go undefeated because of the schedule. 
I'm, I'm on that boat with everybody else. Who you play matters. Wisconsin had a great win against Michigan. They came back and beat an Iowa team that, that thrashed Ohio State. So those are impressive, and you see them as the outliers right now. But I think they're still proving themselves. And, and it may be unfortunate uh, for Wisconsin. I know the fan base feels like it's unfortunate. But at the end of the day, who you play matters. And if they go win the Big Ten championship and, and are undefeated, they will definitely get into the playoff. Now, as big of a story as these rankings are, probably the bigger story is Baker Mayfield. Uh, he will not start in the upcoming matchup against West Virginia for grabbing his crotch and yelling obscenities at the Kansas sideline during Saturday's game. Here is Baker Mayfield's emotional apology. And it's it's hard because it'd be hard whether it was a regular game or not, but it being my last one here ever, it means a lot more. Um, it's going to be tough. Now on the Kansas side of things, Coach David Beatty announced today that three Jayhawks who snubbed Mayfield's handshake attempt will not serve as captain Saturday when the team plays at Oklahoma State. Now Baker Mayfield is the front runner to win the Heisman right now. Spears, let's bring you back into this conversation. How much will this incident influence the Heisman voting? I think it influenced a lot of people that have votes. I don't have one, don't want one, because I think the award is, is, is partly a popularity contest. But with that being said, I think Baker is so far ahead of everybody right now. The big wins, the great numbers. And look, for all intents and purposes, they love this Heisman Trophy to go to a quarterback. Like, that's the signature guy that they want to give this trophy to. I just honestly believe that. Now, with that being said, his actions. This this Heisman committee has dealt dealt with guys that have had problems, and it's been an issue for them. It's been an issue with Reggie Bush in his situation. It's been an issue with Johnny Manziel giving those guys the trophies and maybe having a regrettable decision. I don't think Baker Mayfield will make them have a regrettable decision, but as far as football, he's the best player in the country right now. Let's discuss America's uncle, LeVar Ball. Um, we began with the son, though, first, a couple nights after a poor shooting uh, outing against the Sixers. Alonzo recovered with a triple-double triple double rather against the Nuggets. Still, he's shooting just 31% from the field, attempting just one-and-a-half free throws per game, only making those at a 46.2% clip. So, so far, up and down rookie season for Alonzo Ball. Now, we'll discuss... Uh, LeVar's performance on CNN later, but, you know, he always has some hot takes. Uh, here's LeVar's take on the Lakers coaching staff in relationship to his son. They're soft. They don't know how to coach my son. I know how to coach him. I tell Lonzo to go get the victory. Stop messing around. All right, I guess. Uh, Om Young Mazouk, he's in L.A. ahead of tonight's Bulls-Lakers game. As I mentioned, Lonzo, he's had a very inconsistent start to his rookie season. So what are the Lakers coaching staff what are they telling him to work on to maybe help him get more consistent jay hill they want him to focus on rebounding first assistant coach brian shaw told lonzo start hitting the glass because they believe that that kind of ignites his game when he's able to hit the glass and get rebounds then he has the ball in his hands and i think it makes him 
feel more of a sense of urgency where he can start a fast break, push the pace for the Lakers, and now that gets him going in assists. Perhaps I might get him going with his shot a little bit or gets him moving toward the basket with some momentum. They're looking for any little thing they can do to spark the rookie and get him going and kind of light a fire underneath him. And the other night it worked. 16 rebounds was his career high. Most rebounds by a rookie since Steve Francis in 2000. All right, well, that's something, I guess. Uh, thanks, Om. Um, we appreciate you joining us. A couple of days and a couple of wins ago, Brad Stevens said the Celtics weren't as good as their winning streak. Well, they're damn good at coming from behind. Uh, the NBA's comeback kings, mostly because of Kyrie Irving's ridiculous play in clutch time. That's defined as less than five minutes remaining in the score within five points. Kyrie has a PER, player efficiency rating, of 78, which would be by far the best mark of any player in the last 20 seasons. Well ahead of second place, LeBron James. First place with the knowledge, Amin El-Hassan. Dude, they've come back from a 15-point deficit or more four times during the streak. They've trailed in the fourth quarter, eight of the 16 wins, including each of the last three. So what would you attribute their ability to overcome just about any deficit? I think it's the defense. Yeah. They're, top, not, they're number one in the league in defense efficiency. They're also number one in the quality of shot that they give up. We have this number... Uh, given to us by Second Spectrum. It's great. It's called QSQ. And it basically measures the shot quality, what an average NBA player would shoot, given the same conditions, same defensive conditions, same spot on the floor. They're number one at making their opponents take the worst shots possible. Mm. The flip side of that is they're not good offensively. And I think yeah. that comes as kind of a surprise because Brad Stevens, mm-hmm. we all like him. We think he's a uh, whiz as an offensive coach, and he is. And Kyrie Irving, you just talked about how amazing he is, and he is. But they're bottom third in the league in offensive efficiency and they're bottom half of the league in field goal percentage, effective field goal percentage. That's why they struggle. That's why they go down because they have problems generating the points. But the defense, they hang their hat on and they're able to turn that into buckets in transition. They're also relying an inordinate amount on young players in yeah. clutch time, which is, which is amazing. So I guess, is there something misleading about the winning streak then or, or to, to steven's point are they as good or are they just finding ways to win and that's not always the same thing yeah i, I don't think you win 16 games in a row and it's right. just like ah it's all a sham like you there's a level of you just good at, yeah. at some point but it's the type of good they are it's a defensive blue collar crashing uh scratch and claw your way back and make no mistake they got to get better offensively this is not going to cut it them being bottom third in the league you know, we always talk about defense wins championships. No, good teams on both sides of the pole win championships. So that's got to get better. But um, in the meanwhile, the shot can come and go. Your defense shows up every night, and that's what they've been doing. All right. Let's go to the Clippers. Loses at nine straight. Uh, last night by 22 to the Knicks, maybe allowing 110 per 100. There's something to do with yeah. that. <laughs> Volume getting louder on talk that Doc's seat should be getting warmer. Time for the Clippers, Clippers to panic. I mean, uh, I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt. You know that surprised me coming from you. <laughs> no, that's no stuff. I'm not. I'm just saying. That's not the answer I expected. They're wonderful people. No. Uh, no. Here's here's the thing. Patrick Beverly is a huge part of their identity, their new identity, right? As a scrappy defensive team, which they haven't been right. since he was hurt. Now he came back uh, last night against the Knicks, but. You can't stem the tide of a lot of bad habits. The other guy they've been missing is Danilo Gallinari, who multi-positional player, gives them some versatility. So missing those two guys has hurt, but that's no excuse for them being awful defensively. They should be worse than what they were, but they're awful. And uh, one of the most shocking numbers I, I found was that they're not rebounding well. And for a team that has DeAndre Jordan, who's an excellent rebounder, and Blake Griffin, who's not 
not too shabby himself. Yeah. For them to be one of the worst defensive rebounding teams in the league is kind of, uh, it's, not, it's, it's not acceptable. And it's weird when you look at the Celtics, you talked about what's making them so great defensively. They're great at rebounding. Yeah. They're great at rebounding, <laughs> where a year ago they weren't. Right. That was a big issue a year ago. And right. this year they got a bunch of guys who are rebounding. And it's funny, there's a, a study that someone did a few years ago saying the best rebounding teams aren't the ones that have like a guy who grabs 17 rebounds a game. It's the ones that can get rebounding out of their wings and out of their guards. Mm. If you look at the Clippers, they have problems getting rebounding out of anyone who's not named DeAndre Jordan or Blaker. Again, no disrespect to the Clippers fans out there, but I knew once Chris Paul left, They'd be right yeah. back to where they are right now. Hey, if you guys win an image, image award, do I get to share it? Like, <laughs> I just want to know that right now. I want to be able to say, I got going to win that award. <laughs> Baker Mayfield has not made a lot of friends this year <laughs> in college football. I'm sorry for a lot of things. I know he's disappointed in himself and his actions. Baker says, you don't want to shake my hand, that's fine. I'll take it on on you guys here in a minute. Baker won't be a captain uh, for this game, uh, which is... A big deal to him. Uh, he also will not start this game, but he will play. The problem with Baker Mayfield, when you add it all up, he is getting pretty close to the line. Uh, he certainly set a new NCAA record for apologies. I apologize not just to the Kansas people, but also our, our Sooner fans today. I don't know that I'll ever have a player that's as special to me uh, as he is. And uh, he's got a great heart that a lot of people don't get the chance to see like I do. And I'm, I'm proud as hell to be his coach. All right, Kirk Herbstreet uh, joins us now. I was a Heisman voter. You are a current Heisman voter. So when you look at what Baker Mayfield did against Kansas, what impact for you will that have on your Heisman vote? Well, I think it, it's something you consider. Uh, I'm sure, Jamel, when you voted, you, you know, you look, of course, at the performance and what all these guys do on the field. Um, but if you really read the fine print on, on uh, what you're voting for, it's, it's a guy that really represents uh, college football and what it's about. And by the way, I think Baker does. Uh, you know, I, I think he made a mistake here. I think he's had a couple incidences this year where he's kind of come out and, and lost his cool a little bit. Um, you know, as you can see with the video, Kansas and what they did kind of started the whole thing. And, and if you guys know Baker Mayfield at all, he, he's a guy who's just grown up his whole life with a chip on his shoulder. He, he doesn't need a lot to get him wound up. If you and I, we all played ping pong against each other and somebody beat him and talked a little bit of trash, he, he's probably going to do some of the stuff you're seeing right there. So it's just his competitive spirit. Um, he needs to know where to draw the line, of course, because he's representing his school, not just himself on a playground. And I think that's probably what he's learned here throughout all this. I would hope he keeps playing with an edge with their remaining games that he has left. Um, I know he's going to be sat down. He's not going to be a captain. I, I saw his emotions about all that. But to me, man, he's, he's got to be very careful of being too sorry because what's made him him is that chip, and, and he's got to keep playing with that chip on his shoulder. He just got to draw a line there. He, he can't he can't conduct himself like that, and and uh, you know everybody's watching him because he's the star of the sport. Kirk, could you continue with that that thought for a second? Because you, you started it. I don't know if you necessarily got back around to it. You said that Baker Mayfield does in fact represent what's great about college football. You talk about you know his edge, but can you expound on that a little bit more? Like for those that don't know him, you see this, and you say this is opposite of what college football wants what is it about baker the person yeah, yeah, that does represent what's good about college football 
Yeah, I mean, I, I love all these guys, first of all, these players and, and the work that they put in and, and the attitudes that they play with. I just, I've happened, I've known this kid for three years, and I know he's made some mistakes. Uh, you know, everybody talks about the, the incident where he got, he was, a, I think it was a DUI, and he got tackled by the police. And, um, you know, the, now this incident, the Ohio State game where he, he did the flag, there's some things that, that aren't necessarily probably his most proud moments. But also know that I, I, when I've been around him, I've always walked away with a very favorable impression. Um, the way he carries himself on the field, with the exception of a few examples that we could talk about where he goes a little bit across the line, uh, everything else, man, I love how he plays. I love the emotion that he plays with, and, and almost like he's been doubted his whole life. And I think that's healthy. I think his team feeds off of that. I, I think his entire defense and, and the coaches feed off of that emotion. So uh, I, I, I think the fact that he's been doubted and, and his whole story about he walked on at Oklahoma uh, the night that Trevor Knight had an uh, awesome game against Alabama, was the MVP of a Sugar Bowl when they knocked off Alabama, and he still went and decided to go play for Oklahoma despite that. And uh, Trevor Knight was a freshman. Uh, they're, they're, his whole story is incredible. Uh, I, I just wish he would quit letting his emotions take him into a place that he has to apologize on Monday because after a while you start to wonder, okay, how sorry is he? Um, but to me, it's all about emotion and him trying to control that emotion. That, that's it. All right. Well, we certainly expect to hear a lot more about Baker Mayfield from you and the guys tonight on our Rankings Reveal show along with your top six, which is, uh, we're, we understand is going to surprise number one. Again, following us right here on ESPN, we'll have the exclusive reveal of the College Football Playoff Top 25. That's at 7 p.m. Eastern, also streaming live on the ESPN app. All right, Week 12 NFL Power Rankings. These don't decide who gets to play for a championship. It's just more fodder. Uh, Vikings into the top five, moved up a couple of spots, while the Saints, I guess, coming back against the Redskins was used against them. They went from third to fifth, and on the Instagram account took notice. Oh, the eyes. I get it. All right. I guess if I were them, I'd feel some kind of way. But the most complete team in the league, but okay. All right, well, you mentioned the Vikings. Um, Let's uh, do a little questions I need answering. Starting in Minnesota with Courtney Cronin, uh, the Vikings have won six straight heading into their Thanksgiving Day matchup. How much confidence does this team have in Case Keenum to keep this streak going? Well, Jamel, the amount of confidence and guts Case is playing with right now has him playing as one of the best quarterbacks in the league. His mobility is one of the biggest assets for the Vikings, but it's when he's inside the pocket that he exudes confidence. I asked Keenum earlier this afternoon about his willingness to take risks, and he said that, you know, he knows that calculated risks are necessary and every decision he makes is going to be under scrutiny, but he wants to give his guys a chance. Multiple times against the Rams, you saw that there late in the first quarter with the pass, the miraculous pass, evading the pass rush, getting crushed by Michael Brockers. Somehow a ball lands in Adam Thielen's hands. There again with Kyle Rudolph throwing through a tight window. Rudolph catching the pass over the back of Alec Ogletree. And if there's one thing Case Keenum has never been criticized for, it's playing overly conservative. Mike Zimmer said just as much earlier today. We'll go with the word fortitude to describe one of his favorite characteristics of Case Keenum. All right. Thanks a lot, Courtney. We appreciate you joining us and get warm somewhere. One day we're going to do an indoor hit with you. All right, Stefano Pizarro, you're at Cowboys practice today. Looks like you're behind an aquarium, but you are indeed at the practice facility. Uh, What did Dak Prescott say about bouncing back after a poor performance with such a short turnaround this week? 
Well, we talked to Dak about what he feels the team needed to do uh, to really break out of this offensive funk. Just one touchdown in the last two games. And, and of course, he immediately mentioned himself and really the need to measure risk versus reward when dropping back to pass, understanding that he can uh, throw to those intermediate receivers, the underneath routes, and those plays can gain just as many yards as some of the deep plays that he's been attempting. Now, also, from the leadership standpoint, he understands just how important his leadership is to this team moving forward, especially uh, with, you know, obviously this, through this rough two-game losing streak. And, and, of course, he added a quote, and it says, for me, it's about being the same every day, never wavering, never showing a lack of confidence in myself or my teammates, and that's attitude that he's taking moving forward and what's quickly becoming a six-game season for the Cowboys as they sit at 5-5, five and five, six crucial games to go. They did get some good news on the injury front. All-pro left tackle Tyron Smith, he was back on the practice field. They've missed him dearly the last two weeks due to injury, and there's no doubt that the Cowboys are thankful to have him back for Thanksgiving. All right, speaking of attitude, thanks for not having one with me for saying your name wrong. Stefano, I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. All right, one day after firing the offensive coordinator, the Broncos appear to be making a change at quarterback. Paxton Lynch expected to start Sunday against the Raiders and new defensive coordinator John Pagano, who replaces Ken Norton Jr. Broncos quarterbacks were informed of the decision today. Coach Vance Joseph expected to announce the move to the team tomorrow morning. The 2016 first-rounder lost out to Trevor Simeon again this preseason, suffered a right shoulder injury in the Broncos' August 26th preseason game and gets the call after the Broncos dropped their sixth straight. Lynch, in case you're keeping track, will be the 48th quarterback to start a game this season. Tim Hasselbeck? What's up? That hey. number blows your mind, doesn't it? Um, it does. So, you got a new OC, new quarterback. What are your realistic expectations for Paxton Lynch? And can he provide a spark to a team that John Elway says has been soft lately? Look, he may provide a spark because he's a tremendous athlete, but truthfully, I think he's going to struggle, plain and simple. I mean, he came out of college, not a developed passer. Um, he hasn't had a good preseason, and when he played last year, didn't really play well a year ago. And so I'm always concerned about guys that were first-round draft picks that are basically being asked to take a job and win it, and they can't. When you are a first-round draft pick and you can't beat out Trevor Simeon, when they want you to beat out Trevor Simeon, that's a big problem. I think it speaks volumes for what the organization thinks about you. And so um, I think he'll struggle as a passer. They maybe have some design runs for him, and I think he'll execute those fine. But I think it'll be a struggle. Yeah, it's tough because um, given the injury situation with him, it's been hard to evaluate him. But I think a lot of people have evaluated him That's based off what you said. But mm-hmm. is that fair considering we've seen so many quarterbacks in this league kind of develop at their own pace? Right. Um, I think it is fair based on last year's preseason, three games last year, some preseason and training camp this, this year. And, yeah, he gets hurt, but it really wasn't a competi- competition before his injury. I mean, the writing was on the wall that he wasn't going to be the guy. And so um, it does make it hard to evaluate him, but I think they've seen enough. All right. Uh, we'll talk about – let's talk now, rather, about last night's game. The Seahawks probably feel si- as sick as the Falcons feel relieved. Hopefully that made sense. The Falcons probably saved their season last night with a win over the Seahawks. Because had they not won, they probably would have needed to basically win out in order to have even a remote shot at the playoffs. Instead, today, this is how the playoff picture looks for the Falcons and the rest of the NFC. Seahawks and Lions are both on the outside looking in. But which, looking at this entire map here, uh, Tim, which of these six and four teams look the best to you? I think it's the Detroit Lions. I think the Lions can win five out of their next six. They got a brutal game this week against Minnesota. But... 
at Baltimore, Tampa Bay, Chicago, Cincinnati, and Green Bay. And we don't know if Aaron Rodgers is even going to be playing at that point. That's five winnable games. And if you win five games at the end of the year, you get to 11, you're, you're probably going in with momentum. I understand they don't have a great running game right now. They've got two really good backs, and they'll find ways to use them. I think defensively, they're a better group than they've played. They have two really good coordinators. I, I mean, to mm-hmm. me, I, I look at that, and I think I think they could be one of those teams that at the end of the year is just playing their best football, and all of a sudden it's a surprise. Wow. I want to clutch my heart and call for I mean, a little bit. Okay? You know what I mean? No, from yeah. Detroit, I've just seen 50 years of them disappointing their fan base, so I'm sure a lot of Lions fans appreciate right. that. Thanks, Take Tim. Time. Yep. All right, some discouraging news for Nuggets fans. Uh, Nuggets forward Paul Millsap could miss three months with surgery to repair a torn ligament in his left wrist. According to ESPN reports, the vertical was first with the news of the surgery. Millsap signed a three-year, $90 million free agent contract with Denver this summer. So bad news for them. Mitchell challenging Joel Embiid and Embiid had something to say to Mitchell. And wow, and Mitchell put a forearm into Embiid. The T is called. Joel hit the deck. And now he's urging the fans to rise and cheer. I see something new, and then he just got up and uh, kind of fixed showed me and I flopped and he got a technical forward and so that was uh, basically how it happened. That is peak Joel Embiid right there. We are joined now by my dog, my guy, the process, Joel Embiid, here on the six. So we saw you stare down Donovan Mitchell last night. What did you say to him, though, that got him so upset? Uh, I mean, it was just, I don't know, the heat of the game. Uh, I think uh, a couple plays before that, he had a pull-up jumper over me when I switched onto him. And uh, he said something like, uh, you can't go on me. And then I was like, hmm, okay. Uh, so the uh, next couple actions, I ended up blocking the shot. And uh, I had to let him know that uh, that's how it goes when you come into my pain and uh, I guess he got his feelings hurt. Yeah, like I said, you're the only person that can make flopping fun. No shame, though. I mean, that was a shameless, exaggerated <laughs> flop for somebody 7'2", 250, whatever you are. No shame in flopping to take that dive and getting the technical? Oh, man, I, I, I won't say that it was a flop, but uh, <laughs> I played soccer my whole life. You know, those soccer players, they've been, they've been flopping pretty hard and uh, I think I uh, I used my I used my soccer skills in that type of setting uh, settings last night. No, that was more wrestler heel <laughs> turn. <It's> like, <laughs> good job. Now there's no shame in your trolling game. Um, are you at all concerned that your constant trolling of other players that that's going to encourage people that when they get that opportunity to take off on you, kind of almost like Kyle Kuzma did, that they're going to make it worth their while? Are you concerned that you're kind of poking the bear a little bit? Oh, no. Uh, I'm not worried about that. I mean, if those guys that want to get their feelings hurt, then if they can't, if they're not strong, if they're not strong mentally, uh, that's not my fault. But I think when it comes down to it and when uh, if we all got to square up, uh, I mean, I'm 7'2", and I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a big dude, so... Uh, I don't think you want to try me, and I'm African too, so that's the whole point of playing basketball, having fun, go out there, uh, have fun, uh, kick someone's ass, and just play basketball. All right, so let's go back to Saturday. You guys had that huge lead after the first quarter against the Warriors. They pulled away from you guys in the third quarter. 
Uh, you tried to pull a fast one on us. You went to Instagram, and you know exactly what you were doing, okay? We know you. You I were did. saying, oh, come on, I man. Did. And then you went to Twitter talking about, no, you were serious. You learned a lot. Le- come on. Why should we believe that you were not trolling Draymond and the Warriors on Instagram? Come on now. No, nah, you know, uh, I, was trying to, I was trying to make sure that uh, trying to make sure the one, uh, the one knows that we blew a lead and that we were so young and we had to learn our lesson and I think we did. Uh, I think when we're going to be in that type of situation again, uh, we're not going to make the same mistakes. So you just gotta, had to pick that but, picture of Draymond Green to get that point across <laughs> and say, now we know what it's yeah, like. No, that but, was a 3-1 joke. That was a 3-1 joke. <laughs> no, but at the same time, you got to give the Warriors a lot of credit, man. Uh, they played well, especially in that third quarter. Steph got hot. But, uh, you know, we blew that lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to live with the consequences. All right, we'll, we'll take your word for it. We'll take your word. You, you learned your lesson. This was unintentional, as, 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 as good jokes often are. Got one more question about your trash talk control game. So over, your, over the last week, in some form or fashion, you know I've been tracking this, you have either trash talked or trolled your last four opponents. That would be the Clippers, the Lakers, the Warriors, and then the Jazz last night. C.J. McCollum tomorrow night, he's pretty clever himself, been known to blow kisses at opponents when necessary. What you got for C.J. McCollum? And, and Monday night, you know who you got Monday night? LeBron and the Cavs. Will you go at the King? Huh. Oh, man. Uh, I mean, it's all going to be fun tomorrow night. We got to worry about tomorrow night uh, game. But, I mean, uh, the Cavs game is definitely going to be fun. You know, LeBron is the best player in the league, and I like playing against guys like that because they make me better than one. They make me want to, like, get uh, get to that level. Uh, Kevin Durant talked about this after the Warriors game, that he wanted to make sure that they won because they knew that you would go, go to social media and talk trash, uh, you know, if, if you guys did, in fact, beat the Warriors. Like, do you enjoy developing this reputation as somebody, uh, you know, who will fire off on social media or even in mainstream media in an interview if you get the better of the other team? First of all, I think some, uh, something everybody got to know is that uh, I don't usually start it. I mean, other guys usually start it. They try to be, like, extra physical for no reason or they, they try to talk to me and whatever. So... You know, I just try to back it up, and I mean, if she make me mad, then I feel like uh, you have, like, I have a chance to like uh, kick your ass, and then go on social media. I'm gonna do that. Then all the trash talk. I mean, everybody always talk about like, oh, the NBA soft. We need to go back to the '90s, and uh, you know, uh, to me, it's just about like uh, going out there. Uh, kick people's ass and have fun and be as physical as I can and talk trash and yeah and then I feel like everybody's got to know that uh man he stays on the court off the court uh it's the different attitude he's all about just being myself all right um let's start doing too much with the interesting man on the street done by Fox 5 News guess who they ran into when they wanted to have a conversation about scaffolding By some estimates, 190 miles of sidewalk are covered in scaffolding, some for years with little to no work being done high above. It's a sight ubiquitous in New York, and very rarely do we stop to determine how really safe it is. Even champion basketball player Clay Thompson with the Golden State Warriors says he worries about whether or not it's safe. You can kind of tell when a 
I think a structure is, you know, put well, put together well. And uh, so I usually observe if the if the piping and stuff is new or if sometimes, you know, something looks like it's been there a while, I kind of try to avoid that. <laughs> I don't believe him at all. Scaffolding expert, Clay Very Thompson. Convincing. Um, he said that the the reporter who interviewed him didn't know who he was, uh, but the cameraman knew who he so was. So when they tracked it, they just yeah, they just champion added champion basketball, basketball player. player. That's why he's known as just NBA player. That's the business in a nutshell. All right, um, so I watched this. I'm not gonna lie, they suckered me in. So CNN gave LeVar Ball over 20 minutes of airtime with Chris Cuomo to talk about his beef with Donald Trump after Trump, you know, tweeted, of course, that he should have left the three UCLA players in jail. Here's LeVar on his most LeVarness. I think you've made this more difficult than you needed to, and you wound up provoking the president of the United States. You know States. what? You, 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 you making this more difficult. You know, LeVar didn't say thank you to the president. You didn't. Did you thank the doctor for bringing you into this world? You better go back and find him because you're lucky. <laughs> yeah, look at him. Listen. See, that's what I'm talking about. You need somebody like me I'm, to loosen you up a little bit. You, know. you, you wound up tight. Chris yeah. Mo? Cuomo, not Chris Mo. Hey, man, you Cuomo. better. Cuomo. Cuomo. Like, like Cuomo, like Google. Like the Google, Google Chrome. I get it, Chrome. All right, that's, that's it. That's your hip-hop name in the hood, huh? Look. Hey, and I got a message for you. What is it? Tell Donald Trump to have a great Thanksgiving, because Big Baller is... Hancock. This was... Like a bird. Every bit as bad of a train wreck as I expected, but it was one of those things where it was, like, so bad it was good. Trump versus LeVar is not the feud America needs, but it's the one America deserves. <laughs> That's interesting. All right, before we call it a day, here's who had a good day. Cam Newton on the ninth anniversary of his laptop incident at Florida, which caused him to transfer to Blend Junior College, posted this picture, his mugshot picture on Instagram, to tell us what he's thankful for. And that's that he's come a long way uh, and that he overcame his circumstances, self-inflicted, and that uh, if he did it, you can too. So way to be uh, transparent, Cam. Please get some new script. Um, uh, all right. Well, I guess that does it here for us on the Six Sports Center. Continues on ESPN News. The exclusive college football top twenty-five rankings reveal is next. Stay tuned.